Moms are the best, aren't they? We're going to do something. If you're a mom out there, can you guys please stand right now? We want to honor you. Come on. Mom, stand. Come on. Right. Woo. Yeah, good moms. Come on. Woo. Thank you, moms. Moms are the best. You guys are great. You, you can take your break now for a little bit. It's, it's okay. I actually want to do something special. I actually want to invite my own mom up here because I want to... I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mom. Here's my mom. Here's Lay. Look how expensive this looks. Wow. <laughs> this looks fantastic. Uh, thank you, son. Um, oh, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> my mom. She's awesome. Um, I actually want to add one thing. My mom is actually the one that brought our whole family to Jesus Christ. And so, thank you, mom. Um, man, incredible, incredible woman of faith. Um, and the title of my sermon, we're, it, today is all about moms. And we're celebrating moms. We're going to be talking about a great mom in the Bible. And my, the title of the sermon is, Moms Are the Best. That's what the guy said, right? Moms are the best. He's like broke down or whatever it is. That, that one lady at the end, her eye was like going all cockeyed, like, ah, you know, whatever it was. And um, I, I really believe, you know, when you become a parent, uh, for those of you who are parents, um, doesn't it bring the best out of you and possibly the worst? But doesn't it bring the, like, it brings out qualities of you that you thought you never had. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, seriously, if you're like a, a expecting parent, whatever it is, like, I'm getting ready, I'm getting so prepared, you're never ready. Let's be honest here, right? You're never ready. I wasn't ready. I'm like, man, when, I, when we had the twins, I'm like, ah, whatever it is. But I did stuff that I didn't know I could do. And, I, and literally, I, I can look at myself and go, you know what? Yeah, the, the whole dad thing kicked in. And I would even say more so for my wife. I mean, seriously, I, I, you know, I love my, my wife. Grace is an incredible woman. But when our twins were born, it's like shh, the, the incredible woman inside of her just, just came out. And it brought the best out of my wife. And um, that's why I'm entitling this. Is, this um, moms are the best. And we're, we're going to be looking at an incredible mom in the Bible. Uh, and, and actually, she's so great. Oddly enough, they don't even name her in the Bible. It's just this woman from this place. And we don't know who she is. We don't know her name. We got to go to heaven and go, okay, who are you? And what is your name? But we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. And what... Maybe I should actually switch to this. Hello. Okay, good. Okay. A lot better, right? Um, what makes this woman so great? Um, and we're going to look at that. Um, but it's an incredible story of the woman uh, from Shunem. Anybody know this story? Okay, good. The majority of you don't, so you will know the story by the end of, of today. Um, and the, the reason why this story is, is great, there's various reasons why, but the one reason is this incredible miracle happened. And what happened was um, this man of God named Elisha, who was the uh, disciple of Elijah, did incredible, incredible miracles. Go read his story and see the things that he did. Uh, an amazing thing. And this is one of them. And he was one of these traveling preachers. And he ended up in this town called Shunem. Can you hear me? 
And this met this woman, and this woman gave him a place to stay, built this whole place for him to stay and, and come. And whenever he came by, uh, uh, Elisha could go to her house. Elisha wanted to pay this woman back, so he prophesied over it. You will, she didn't have a son at the time, and, and basically Elisha said, you will have a son in about a year. And so what happened was she had a son, and the son grew up, and tragically something happened. Uh, he came and he was working in the field and he died. He actually passed away. And uh, Elisha, actually the woman was going, what's going on here? So she sought out Elisha. Man of God, why have you done this? You prophesied that, that this, this boy would, would, would come, but look, he's passed away. He's died. And so what happened was Elisha said, you know what? I'm going to do something about it. So we go to 2 Kings chapter 4. I want you guys to turn there. And we see this incredible miracle that Elisha does. Verse 32 says, when Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Then he laid it down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. And he stretched out on him. The child's body began to grow warm again. Are you seeing this dramatic, like, thing happening? Like, he's lying on this, this dead child. And, and warmth came to his body. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then stretched, uh, stretched himself out again on the child. This time, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi, called the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. She fell at the feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. Isn't that an incredible story? Isn't our God a great God that can raise the dead to life? Come on. He can do things. He still can do that today. And our God is good. And he's an amazing God. But here's the thing. This story could be all about the miracle, and you could be blessed right now and can go home. Yay, happy Mother's Day, miracle. God is good. All the time. time. Right, thank you. Right? But you know what? You might miss how great this woman is. You might miss the godly character of a woman that trusted and had faith and held on and clinged to God. This is what this story is all about. Yeah, the miracle is fantastic, isn't it? But don't miss this great woman. And why, did she, why was she great? You know, ask yourself, why do we always talk about people in the Bible? Why do we always talk about David or the Apostle Paul or Peter or, or, or Gideon or Abraham? Why do we talk? What are the qualities that make these people great? And I want to look what makes this woman so great. Um, but here's the one thing I think makes her great. She had an attitude of something that we actually commonly say here at our church, and we actually just said it. So I'm going to say a word, and it's an interaction. You're going to actually say something back to me. You guys know what I'm getting at, right? So get ready. I'm only going to do this once. I'm going to say this, and it's uh, something we say in our church all the time. God is good. All the time. God is good. Now, how many of you guys have heard that saying before? God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And there's two things about this saying that we should have in our heart, hold in our heart, and absolutely know this is true. The first part is, is that God is good. That he's good. And he's good all the time. His character never changes. It says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
The same God that raised this boy from the dead is the same God that loves us and the same power that we can tap into. The other thing that it says is that in all the circumstances that we find ourselves in, whether good or bad or sad or happy, whatever it is, God is still good all the time. You guys getting me? You see the two differences? That God's character never changes. But you know what? In all the ups and downs in our lives, God will always be good. Amen? And this is the one thing that this woman from Shunem, that's, what they, that's, that's the only way we can name her is the woman from this place. What made her great was she had this attitude that God is good all the time. And I, I will hold on to that. I believe that. And she lived it. So let's go a little bit further up from the verse that I read, and let's go to verse 8. And I want to just stop here. You know, I want to make sure, like, all you guys, if you're not a mom, you're, like, going, okay, this is for the moms. Seriously, she was a great mom, but she was a great woman, and she was a great person. This is, this is someone worth following, imitating. So in 2 Kings uh, 4, verse 8, it says this. One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem, a wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. So let's stop there. Now, we can actually look at something here that says, whoa, this woman, there's something about this woman, and it's that word wealthy. Now, we read the NLT here, but I want to just say this version kind of comes up a little short. Because if you read the King James Version and other versions, it actually uses the word great. Actually, the Hebrew word originally is this word, gedal. Are you guys ready to go deep into Hebrew? Yeah. All right. The word gedal is describing this woman. And it's the same word, gedal, that describes when God created the heavens and the earth, he made these two great lights. What were the two great lights? The sun and the moon, these two great lights that we rely on, right? Well, that's the same word that they use here, the two gedal lights, which means they were not your normal light. They were the great lights. Um, there's another place in Nehemiah where, he, where the, um, he's referring to God as the Gadol God, the great and awesome God. There's other places where they would add Gadol to a great whale or the great, uh, actually even bad things like sin or a plague. And basically what it meant, it, it just made it greater. It was greater than your average thing. Basically, it's saying here, this woman was not just wealthy. She was better and greater than your average woman. There was something great about her. There was a quality about her. But what was that? What can we tell? And there's a lot of things that they don't say about her that we can go, okay, well, she wasn't, uh, she wasn't of royal blood. She wasn't, it doesn't say she was extremely beautiful like uh, Bathsheba or uh, who else was beautiful? There's a lot of beautiful women in the Bible. Um, she wasn't a great leader like Deborah. But what it says here, all it says about her greatness is how she actually interacted with Elisha and how she interacts in this story. So let's go there. It says here in uh, verse 9, she said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay wherever he comes by. I think there's something great in here. You know what's so great about this woman here? She has this open door, open house policy. She has this welcoming spirit. She has this gift of hospitality. Are you hearing me? 
She basically walked, saw, saw Elisha. Well, this guy needs a place to stay. But did this woman give Elisha just a couch? Just a place in her living room? No, she built an extension. She got a permit, <laughs> whatever, right? Think about it. I'm like, think about an extension in your house. Like all, the, all the hassle that you have to go through. Hired an architect. I don't, I mean, you know what I mean? And she went to Ikea and, and furnished the whole thing. And Elisha was only there from time to time. But she welcomed him into her house and built a whole extension. This hospitality, she welcomed. And I think above that, we have to even look at the factor that, you know, back in the day, back in the Old Testament, these men of God were the men of God. Today, uh, we have the Holy Spirit, which can re- uh, resides in all the followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? And we live, and we're alive through it, and we can experience his power. Back then, they relied on one person, on one person that was the man of God. Remember the story of Moses. They relied on Moses, because Moses was the one that communicated with God. Same, with, same thing with Samuel, and the same thing here with Elijah and then Elisha. This guy was the dude. He was the man. He was the man, like, dude, you're it. And so uh, one thing I can t- tell you about this woman is, is that she not only made a place for Elisha, she made a place for God. She made a place for the Lord. She said, you know what? Come into my dwelling place. You will sit at the honor of my, uh, on my dining table because you are worth, because you are the man of God. And actually, I am welcoming the Lord. Are you hearing me? The question is, is, is there a dwelling place in your heart for the Lord? Is there a place of honor at your dining table for Jesus Christ? We got we to gotta look at this woman. The one woman in my life, I'm going to be talking about all the moms in my life. The one mom in my life that uh, exudes this quality is my grandma. Can we get my grandma's picture up there? There's my grandma. There's me with my 80s clothes and my 80s haircut. Um, But this is my grandma and she was an incredible woman and she exuded the spirit of hospitality, this open house policies. This, she made a dwelling place for the Lord. And if you knew my grandma, if you grew up in the youth group at Hope Chapel back in the 80s and the early 90s, whatever it is, uh, my grandma, you know, she passed away at 91, but she was rocking the house still, worshiping with Hope Chapel here. She was like, she was so cool for a grandma. And uh, we would have 30 to 40 kids at many churches just seriously like making loud noises and laughing all night long and skateboarding up and down our driveway. And seriously, my grandma, you know, like you would think grandmas would like, okay, this is my time to go to my room and escape. I can't wait till this is over. You know, it's like one of those things like, please get these little whippersnappers out of here. Every single mini church, I, I just remember, I have this burn in my brain. My grandma would hang out in the kitchen and hang out with the kids, hang out with us. She was a cool grandma. I mean, I, Kanani's sister was telling me a story where she was sitting with her, and she was, my grandma has a heavy Filipino accent. She's like, you know, you, you pluck the hair. You, you pluck, I pluck all the hair off my legs. I pluck all the hair off my, my armpits. That's all you have to do. She's giving advice to young women. I'm not sure if it's good advice, but she's giving advice. And she hung out. You know, um, we, we started a punk rock band, and we, were pract- we would practice at my house. And it was irritating music. It was loud music. It was stuff grandmas would hate. And I remember someone called the cops on us, or the police 
called the police on us uh, while we're practicing. And uh, we stopped practicing, and I heard my grandma yelling. And I thought it was my grandma yelling to tell us to, to shut up and stop playing. Actually, I went downstairs, and it was my grandma yelling at the policeman. My, my grandma was standing at the door with this huge guy, and my grandma's going, they have to practice. They have to practice. How are they going to get better? Uh, you know? And seriously, I'm not even joking. The, I mean, the tall policeman, my short little grandma. So, I know, ma'am, I know. Like, I was like backing away. My grandma was like tenacious, like, ah, you know, whatever it was. That was my grandma. She was so welcoming. She, she might have not liked our music. She might, might have thought we were crazy or whatever, but she wanted to be amongst us. That was my, she had this welcoming spirit, this legacy that I want to live on. The other legacy is exactly like this woman, that she made a dwelling place for the Lord in her heart. How do I know that? She always had praise on her lips. She was always singing songs. I magnify. You know, she was like singing these songs while washing dishes. She was always praying to the Lord. Like she was always, I could hear her. I literally could hear her just always spouting Jesus. And this is another bad example of my, my grandma, but she had verses in her head and she loved Jesus. I remember one time my cousin left his uh, cereal in the cereal bowl and it was getting really soggy. So my grandma was a little upset, like, you're making the, the cereal soggy, you know, whatever it is. And then my, my cousin kind of snapped back. He, he was a little, you know, wiseacre. He's just like, oh, whatever it is. And my grandma got so frustrated that uh, she looked at my cousin and said, you stand back, Satan. You, you get away from here, <laughs> you know. Get away from me, Satan. So, she quoting Jesus Christ, maybe not in the most appropriate way, and she's calling my cousin Satan. But I remember that distinctly because she had praise on the lips and she had the word in her heart. She had made a dwelling place for God. And I want to encourage you to do that. That's what made her great. Um, let's move on. In verse 11, it says here, uh, one day Elisha returned to Shunem. And he went up to this upper uh, room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you and to the king or the commander of the army? Nope, she replied, my family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha uh, asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son, and her husband is an old man. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant, and at the time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. Now, great miracle, Elisha prophesied, but you know what the great thing about this woman we can see is that she had absolute contentment. She had godly contentment. I mean, think about it. Let's put it in perspective here. Elisha, the Moses of her day, knew the king, knew the, 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 ar the army commander, had every resource available to him, was saying to this woman, thank you for your hospitality. What do you want from me? Her first reaction is, no, that's okay. 
My family is taking care of me. I don't need anything. I mean, if you had someone that was hooked up even to God, because Elisha was hooked up to God, by the way, wouldn't you have a list? Come on, you're liars. You would have a list. You would have a list set, ready to go. This woman was great because her first gut reaction, even before she had a child, because she didn't have a child yet, she said, no, my family takes care of me. Can you still hear me? Yep, it's going to be mom movie day. I get it, okay. Um, I think that's a great quality. I, I think, and I want to add something to that because I don't think true commit, uh, contentment can be without God. I don't think true com, uh, contentment can be without the attitude of God is good all the time. It has to come alongside this, I'm content because my God is content. I mean, think about it. We live in Hawaii, one of the most sunniest, not now, one of the most beautiful places in the world. We can be content without God, don't you think? We, not truly. I was talking to someone this week, actually, um, and uh, he was sharing his story about how before he moved here, he actually had a great job. He had a six-figure job. He had a big house. He had all, everything taken care of. He had all his needs. Then he moved here, and he didn't have the six-figure job. <laughs> he didn't have the big house. But you know what the difference was in his life? Is that he's walking in God's will, and that he has God in his life, and he's getting so excited about where God's going to take him, and he has this attitude of, my God is good and all the time. And, I, and then, you know what he said? He said something really interesting. He's all, you know what? Yeah, I had everything back then. I had the job. I had the house. But I have God right now, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's contentment. In um, Philippians 4.11, says this. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And we know this scripture, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, I want to point one thing. We know, the, we know 4.13 4, uh, pretty well, right? Because we, we say it, right? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Did you know that verse is referring to being content with the Lord? <laughs> Is being, is, is, is being saying, God, my God is good all the time, which means because of that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You have to put that into context. It's an amazing thing. Um, there's, there's this godliness contentment that we can learn from this woman. Um, let's move on. In verse 18, it says this. One day when her child was older, he went out to help her father who was working with the harvesters. Suddenly he cried out, my head hurts. My head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home, and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband, send one of the servants and the donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today, he asked. It is neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. But she said, it will be all right. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, 
Hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance and said to Gehazi, Look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, Is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi, Everything is fine. Now, this is a dramatic scene right here. This child that was prophesied to, to be in existence has grown up, but now is dead. This woman is probably freaking out, obviously freaking out. She brings the boy up into the room where Elisha sleeps and then leaves and says two sentences which are really telling of where her heart is. She says this to her husband, it will be all right. That's important. That's a big line. Then she says to Gehazi, everything is fine. Now, for those husbands who are married, if you ask your wife if she's okay and she says everything is fine, you might be in trouble. It's <laughs> giving you a little advice there. This is not the same scenario. She's basically saying, I have faith in my God. Everything is going to be fine. Everything is all right. My God is good all the time. And I believe in the God that will raise this boy from the dead, that can raise the boy from the dead. But even though... My God is still fine. Everything is great. It's all right. Was she troubled? Yes. Was she going through a hard time? Absolutely. But she had this faith in God. That's a great quality. Amen. This faith of God that never wavered. It was unshakable. And um, if I had to actually choose, I was going to, you know, I'm going to tell you about another mom in my life. My actual mom, you know, my mom who got saved, she, my mom got saved in 1979. And she brought Jesus to our whole family. Um, she forced me to go to church. She drove me. And I want to thank the Lord for that, that my mom brought me to church. My mom showed me Jesus. It was that important to her. And, and if, in 79, if you do the math, that's a long time. And I, I, you know, I could be wrong, and maybe I can talk to my mom afterwards. But in my perspective of watching my mom love Jesus Christ, I never saw her backslide. I never saw her take a break from Jesus Christ. Never once. We had some tough times. There were some good times. There were some crying. There were some tears. There were some victories. All that ups and downs. We, I mean, there were some, man, there were some trials. There were some times when, seriously, she had a legitimate reason to doubt God was on her side. But watching my mom, just her legacy of faithfulness and staying with the Lord, and she's going even stronger now. She's on the prayer team. You should get prayer with her. Yep. She's still going. She's still serving the Lord. She's still going. That's, that's a woman of faith. That is a great woman of faith. She is a great woman. That's a legacy that I'm going to pass down to my kids, that my God is good all the time. Are you hearing me? That was my mom. She's incredible. And actually, let's be honest here. Can't moms be a little bit irritating sometimes? And uh, there was one time when I was being a total brat, and I was older, but I was like being a whiny, you know, I was like pity party me, like, oh, I'm going through a tough time right now. You know, I'm crying. And it, it, was, it, was, it wasn't one of these like, you know, you know, weep with those who weep kind of things. This is like I'm, kind of, I'm being dumb. And I remember my mom just said really irritatingly, Tom... You just got to trust the Lord. You're not trusting in him. Anybody have heard that before from your mom? And it's one of these things like, I don't want to trust in him. And, you know, my mom would say stuff like that because of her faith. 
And you know what she was basically saying to me? Tom, you know better. You know your God is better than that. Why are you whining? Stop whining and start trusting. And that was my mom. She would always say, say something like that. And, and like, I, you know, I was kind of mad when she first said it, but then I come to the realization, you're right. You know what, I just got to leave it to the Lord. I got to have faith. I really got to be reminded uh, to trust the Lord. Can I, can I even say that at the time I was a pastor and whining to her and that she said that to me? It's an amazing thing. Uh, let's keep on going in verse, uh, where am I? Verse 27. So the child died. And this is, what, um, this is what she does. But when she came to the man of God on the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled. But the Lord was not, uh, has not told me what it is. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? I didn't, uh, and didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go home with me. So Elisha returned with her. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face. But nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him, the child is dead. So we're going to stop here, but we actually already know the end of the story. I already read it in the beginning that the child, Elisha does, and stresses him, his body across the, the, the uh, body of the child, and, and, and he's raised to life, and it's a miracle. But here, this is before the miracle. This is before anything happened, and there's a great thing about this woman. You know what it is? Her tenacity. Didn't she have tenacity, a persistence, a clinginess, and not just a tenacity like, I am not, I'm not going to listen to you, Elijah. I'm not going to listen to you. No, it was a, basically a, t- a clinginess, a tenacity holding on to God because she knew her God was that good. She knew her God was good all the time and that, she, that he could raise this boy from the dead. And she wouldn't let go of Elisha. I mean, think about it. Think of the things that she did. What is, what is immediately she did? She laid the boy on Elisha's bed. That's the first thing she did. When the boy died, she went up to the room. This is where God's presence is. This is where God's power is. I'm going to lay him on the bed. Something might happen. And then she went to uh, Mount Carmel and looked for Elisha and got the servant. And she thought, no, everything's fine. I, you know, I want Elisha, actually. So she got to Elisha, and Elisha says, you know what? Send my staff and put my staff on the boy's face and see what happens. And you know what she said? No, that is not good enough. My God is better than that. You're going to come with me. There's a tenaciousness, a belief in the Lord that we got to have, don't we? This great, just holding on to God. And the one mom in my life that, I, that reminds me of this is actually my own, my, my wife, uh, Grace. And this is a picture of my wife, Grace. Uh, there you go. There's Grace. She's beautiful. I'm lucky, huh? It's like, man, like, how did you get her? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, that's my daughter, Olive. And the one thing about my wife is she has such a faith in the Lord that I know she's going love to love God for the rest of her life. She's going to follow God. She's going to be, be in his will, just wants to do what God wants for her. And um, I'm going to tell you a story, but I want to start this story off 
first of all, by saying that this story is not about other churches. It's not about other theology or what they believe. And, and um, it's, just, it's a story about my, my wife's walk with the Lord. Um, I'm a big advocate of the Big C Church, right? Right? There's churches across the world doing great things. Uh, and this is the story that happened to her. And uh, this is what happened. She grew up in this church, and her family went to this church. Her dad brought her to Jesus Christ, and she grew up loving the Lord, loving, um, loving um, you know, the Bible, and excited about God, and so much so that she actually decided to go on a trip with YWAM. You guys know, know what YWAM is, Youth with a Mission? And so they send missionaries around the world to tell people about Jesus Christ. And so after she graduated, she joined YWAM. And she went to Tonga and Fiji and New Zealand and saw incredible, incredible things that the Lord uh, can do and has done and, 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 and does through the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, just incredible stories uh, that she has shared with me. I'm like, wow, that blew my mind. Odd thing is she came back all fired up on God wants to do more for the Lord. She came back to Hawaii, came back to her church. And... Her church actually didn't believe in what YWAM believed in. They didn't have the same theology. They had trouble with, you know, what, 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 what they do and their practices, whatever it is. And to make a long story short, what happened was they actually asked my wife to actually leave the church. Uh, the pastor sat down with her, wrote a letter, and said, I'm sorry you cannot attend this church anymore because you are associated with YWAM. And this devastated my wife. I mean, it hit her to the core I mean, obviously, right? This is a church that she grew up in. This is a church that uh, she, she, she learned Jesus about, that she actually was inspired to actually do things for God. And now they were saying to her, you can't attend this church anymore. And that's the church that her family still attended. So now she's out on, on her own in the cold. I mean, this is, wow. And this is before we started even dating. And, and she struggled for years. Um, she struggled with blaming God, right? I mean, think about it. Put yourself in, 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 in her shoes. What would you do? You would blame God. You would quit the church, probably quit Christianity, uh, quit organized religion, walk away from the Lord. Because, wow, it's, she had a legitimate, she had a legitimate complaint, just like how the woman had, right? The woman was saying, Elisha, why did you prophesy that I'm going to have a son so that it could, so he could end up dead? That was a legitimate complaint from this woman. My wife had the same complaint. God, I went on this mission trip for you. I did all these things to give you glory. And this is what happened? And she struggled. And actually so much so when we even got married, it was still affecting her marriage. She still had some thought, depression, doubting God. And she was like still struggling with it. But, but here's the thing I want to tell you, which is so great about my wife, about Grace. Through all of that, through all the trial and all the tribulation over years of this happening, she still clinged to the Lord. She still believed that God had a plan for her. She still believed that God is good all the time. Was it easy? Absolutely not. Did she still keep with the Lord? Yes. And the most amazing thing is right now she's not mad at the pastor that uh, told her to leave. She's not mad at the church. She still has a great relationship with her family who still goes to that church. And, and she told me this. And I, I was going, man, how did you do that? How did you stay with the Lord after all of that? How did you uh, end up, you know, still doing ministry and all that? And she said this. And I want to quote her. She said, 
I saw what God did. I saw too much and I experienced too much to give up on him. Isn't that amazing? She saw too much of how God moved in her life. That no way, there's no way my God is not real. There's no way my God has left me. And the most amazing thing when she was out there looking for a church, thank God she found Hope Chapel. Because she found me. No. <laughs> you know, seriously, I'm like, I, I look at the Lord's plan and going, man, it's like, you know, I found her. God put us together. We have two wonderful children together. And, and she said uh, an interesting too. She's like, you know what? I could have um, wrote off, you know, organized religion. I could have wrote off pastors. And the most ironic thing, I married a pastor. <laughs> and isn't that just the grace of God? And just the obedience of an incredible woman that my wife is. Just, just, um, just being, holding on, just persistent holding on to the Lord. And the one thing I want to encourage you guys is, is to look at this woman from Shunem and all the examples of my, the moms in my life. And here's the thing I want to say. You know, the miracle is great, isn't it? The miracle that the boy was raised from the dead. But you know what I want to say? That this woman was great before the great miracle. And if we strive to be great people of the Lord, before we even see God do anything, that's great. If we make a dwelling place for the Lord, if we have faith, if we're uh, clinging to the Lord like that, and we have a hospitality, and we have an open house spirit for not just people, but for him, copy what she did. Imitate this woman from Shunem. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, I just come before you. You are an incredible God, and, and those words, that cliche that we say here, I pray that it doesn't become a cliche. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. I pray that that be sowed in our hearts with verses and experiences that there is no way, no matter what we're going through, that we can truly say those words, that we can truly mean them, that you are good, and in every circumstance, you are good that you will remain good. Thank you so much for being that God that has proven himself time after time in my life and so many others here, God. Lord, let us follow the example of the woman from Shunem. Let's have those qualities. Give us those qualities. Equip us to, to walk the way she did, Lord. We just praise you. We thank you. I want to say one more prayer. I want to just invite anyone here to make a first time or even maybe a rededication to Jesus Christ. And this is the time of the service where we just invite you to, to tell Jesus you believe what he did for you. And what did he do? He died for you. He put himself on the cross willingly to set you free, to forgive you of your sins so that you can, can become a child of God. Did, he did so much in that one act. And then three days later, he rose again from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that, that same power that raises people from the dead is the same power available to us today. And if you want that, and if you never really made a decision to follow him or tell him that you believe in what he did for you, well, I want to give you an opportunity right now. I want to invite you to give yourself to Jesus because you want to tell him, yeah, I believe that you, you did all those great things for me. I'm going to say a prayer in a, a minute or so. 
And all I ask is that you tell me that you're going to be praying that with me. So I'm going to count to three. And when I hit three, just raise your hand. And when you shoot your hand up, you're just basically saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. I acknowledge what he did, and I want to follow him. So here we go. On three, just raise your hand and tell me you want to pray with me. One, two, three. Anybody here? Just raise your hand. Wanted to make a decision or a rededication to Jesus Christ. Anybody here? All right, we got one. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody? Praise God. Anybody else? Anybody else? Praise God. All right. That person just raised their hand. Just say this prayer like, uh, like it's your own, just under your breath. Lord Jesus, I come before you right now. And I declare and acknowledge that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again from the grave three days later. And because of that, I will follow you. Forgive me of my sin. I give my life to you now. I don't know what that means, but I take this step of faith to follow you. I make you my Lord and my Savior and my friend. In Jesus' precious name, we all say amen. Let's give this person a hand.